0: You're listening to Tobacco Endgame Matters, a podcast produced by Action on Smoking and Health, advancing momentum for a tobacco-free California. Welcome, Ignacio and Milton, to Tobacco Endgame Matters, the podcast. Let's start off with having you both introduce yourselves. So let's start with you, Milton, and then we'll turn it over to you, Ignacio.
1: My name is Milton Nguyen. I'm a high school senior at Miraloma High School, um, and I've been involved in tobacco control for over four years now, with a lot of different organizations
2: on the local, statewide, and national level. All right, and uh, my name is uh, Ignacio Burgos, I'm a youth program coordinator. I'm located in Sacramento, but we do uh, statewide work, and. Uh, Tobacco control is uh, very new for me. Uh, I've been doing it for only uh, just past a, a year now, but, um, like education and youth engagement, um, has always been a passion of mine. So that, that I'm definitely more familiar with.
0: I want to get into your role a little bit, Ignacio, because today we're here to talk about the power of youth. What are some of the key characteristics that describe, you know, youth advocates or activists in tobacco control work?
2: what I do see uh, among like youth advocates and what I felt too, is just that like young people, they're, they're excited, they're, they're engaged. Um, they want to make a difference in their community. Um, and a lot of times like uh, young people's voices in this process doesn't really get heard. So, um, I I'm always happy to be in that role to where we can hear, uh, young voices and sort of pit, um, just help them to utilize their skills and put that in the forefront. And um, another thing, just uh, hope. Uh, That's something that I also see and receive a lot from young advocates as well and that's something that really does keep me going uh, within this line of work and education as well.
0: Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I think there's a lot of eagerness from young people to get things done, to elevate their voices uh, Milton, you said that you have been in tobacco control work for over four years. Tell us how you got involved. You know What sparked your interest? What motivates you to keep going? How did this all start for you?
1: Yeah, so um, I think growing up, my grandfather on my mom's side was a, a really big cigarette smoker. So um, growing up, a lot of my memories with him um, have sort of that image of cigarette smoking and, and cigarettes. So a lot of the times he he might be out on the porch smoking a cigarette while Uh, I'm out there like having a conversation with them. So I think um, growing up and seeing that, that was something that was really impactful for me, especially since at least within my immediate family, my mom and my dad, um, they made sure to really prioritize um, health and and really prioritize a tobacco-free lifestyle. And I think um, growing up, I really internalized that. And when I got to high school, I saw so many um, youth sort of falling into similar addiction traps that my own grandfather did. Um, this time with e-cigarettes rather than traditional cigarettes and um, combustible tobacco. So I thought there was just a really eerie parallel there. So I think um, that's that's sort of the main motivation that really got me into tobacco control. And when I really stepped into it, I thought, at least for me, it was a really great entry point, at least into advocacy as a whole, because um, at least for me, I'm really interested in public speaking and really interested in community engagement and policy change. And I think tobacco control has given me a really great avenue to to really express that and a really great avenue just to work with my community and with my peers um and and with a whole community of individuals who are really inspired and really passionate about positive change and, and really prioritizing public health.
0: I wanna to touch upon what you said about, you know. One, you're in high school, this is something that personally motivates you, and you're really interested in public speaking. Can you describe maybe more impactful events in your advocacy work and and what you feel really contributed to that success?
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the most impactful events that I've been part of, and um, both as an attendee and also as someone organizing the event, is actually with the California Youth Advocacy Network, um, which Ignacio and I have worked with. Um, with their event called YouthQuest. So um, initially in my freshman year, I actually um, came to to YouthQuest back in 2019 as an attendee. And I think, um, so YouthQuest essentially is an event that's held by the California Youth Advocacy Network and their statewide youth board of directors. Um, and it's really sort of like a day of action for California youth to get involved with tobacco control advocacy and to meet with their legislators. Um, so when I first attended my freshman year, I was just in awe by, Um, the youth who are up there presenting on tobacco control and really um, sort of bringing advocacy to the forefront of California youth. And that's something that really inspired me to get involved with the cause. Um, And just last week, I was able to um, be part of the event in person for the first time in in two plus years due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But um, I think that was just something really impactful because um, at least for me, it was sort of coming full circle in my advocacy experience. And I was just really happy that I was able um, to use my own voice to share that experience with so many other youth across California. And I think really um, activating youth is, is a real key to, to ending um, the burden of tobacco throughout California and throughout the, the whole nation.
0: Ignacio, so you play a very critical role in Youth Quest Day, right? As the coordinator, as someone who's working directly with the young people, what would you say makes an event like that so successful, especially as someone who has this leadership role in tobacco control work, and then you're working with young people who are more than likely volunteers. They're giving you their time and their energy because they want to. They're not getting paid for it. So what would you say makes that type of a relationship successful and effective?
2: I would say, okay, so one thing that I think gets um, forgotten or lost sometimes in working with youth especially in um like big events like this because this has been a long time planning and this is shout out to the um the youth board because all of the ideas it was them that came up with it we kind of um brought them together we asked you know certain questions but it was their it was their like brainchild it was um a lot of their work that they put in just like you said a lot of work that they're not getting paid for so absolutely that is a shout out to um the youth board but the the thing i think that makes it successful is just remembering that the these young people that are involved they're still young people with their own lives their own agendas that are happening and we just have to make sure that along the way we're not just focusing on the uh, like the tobacco work there has to be sort of that that fun engagement um we have to make sure that there's still that avenue for um sort of uh, learning and exploration as well so even at the beginning of all this we asked our youth participants what are some skills you want to learn in this process what are the things that you're passionate about and um, even though we were playing for youth quest we're still allowing them to or i, I wouldn't even say allow we are still um, engaging their interests and finding other side projects that they want to do in, and supporting them in that along the way as well so i think just Really engaging with their actual passions and the, the skills that they want to learn—that's that is not just youth development; that's community development. And I think it's important to remember that and uh, to really apply that.
0: Right, right. That's really good. And and I like that you're saying. It, it sounds like you are giving the young people a lot of autonomy. They have a lot of independence to really direct the course of action in you know your line of work and also under your direction. Your your guidance as a coordinator, but it also sounds like you all are meeting young people where they're at because you touched upon. Don't forget that these are folks who have lives of their own. They are, I like that you said exploration. You need to have opportunities where they can stay curious and they can explore. There's something new for everyone. Right. And there's some, there's some growth that has yet to be experienced for young people. Uh, What's it been like, in either of your experiences, working with young people who maybe fear the backlash that they're going to get from their peers, who fear that by being involved, they're not going to be seen as, you know, maybe cool or understanding, or, you know, maybe they might lose some friends. Um, What's, what's that been like for either of you?
1: Yeah, I think for me, at least in my experiences, it's, it's a frightening sight and it's a, it's a frightening reality that youth advocates have to face. But I think um, once again, the tobacco control community provides um, a really great and welcoming and inviting community that really accepts everyone and anyone with welcoming arms. And I think um, that's something that's so important to, to keeping the fight going. And I think too, also that at least when it comes to youth advocacy with tobacco control, um, youth often face backlash. But I think when talking and working with some of the youth who who may create that backlash against youth advocacy for tobacco control, um, sometimes just sitting down and having a conversation with them, not um, on tobacco control, but just hearing them out and, and coming in with an open mindset and listening first, I think that often tends to neutralize some of that backlash. And I think it goes a really long way to, to creating connections. And I know, at least in my experiences, I've, I've faced some of those tense situations. And I think just coming in with an open mindset and, and open ears and, and an active mindset and just, um, an active, um, an active mindset just focused on listening and, and understanding, I think is something that's really important and has gone a really long way, at least in my experiences.
2: Yeah. And, um, I'm glad, uh, yeah, Milton really uh, talked on, especially that, allowing space for that discussion <laughs> because that's that's so important. And I think even from a facilitator perspective, it's it's scary to uh, start that conversation of you know there's backlash. Um, there is sort of negative comments coming in on like this video that we released. Um, there's a bunch of uh, people saying horrible things. You know, the the best thing to do is to you know have that see the session where you kind of bring your group together. We sort of um we say, "Hey, how does everyone feel about this? What are first things that you uh that are on your mind um why do you think that happened?" but then I think going a little further. Um, Flipping the perspective and saying so why do you think they feel that way and how do you think we can educate them and um, and bring the information to the community to address a lot of these assumptions that they have about the work that we're doing and the misconceptions about what they uh, what they believe about what we said so yeah that's just discussion period on both sides it's so important.
0: Guys, I really, really like what you're saying here because I, I feel like you both are in sync with this very people-centered approach to tobacco control work. You know, What are the effective ways to engage young people? And it sounds like a lot of it is just remembering the human aspect of activism, of community building. You know, given your perspective roles in the community, other than what you've already mentioned, what do you think or what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that either a coordinator or a young person might encounter in tobacco control work? And then what's some of your advice that you would give them to either overcome it or to mitigate that challenge?
1: Yeah, I think so. I know we touched a tiny bit on the challenges of facing backlash from other youth, but I think something that goes in line with that is really just getting other youth involved, not necessarily those who are opposed to tobacco control, but those who are sort of in that middle ground and sort of neutral in that situation. And I think um, sometimes it's it's really difficult to engage um, youth in that sense because, once again, there's a lot of fear of that backlash. But I think at least what I've seen in my own experiences and with a lot of the organizations I've worked with, and we've touched on this, is really just making sure that tobacco control advocacy and just advocacy as a whole is really human based and really people based because I think. Um, a lot goes into making the connections between advocates and advocates and advocates and coordinators and everyone within the tobacco control advocacy community. And I think, um, that human aspect to it and that aspect of creating relationships and and creating positive memories associated with it goes a really long way to really engaging everyone within the community and doing it in a sustainable
2: way to keep that fight, uh, against tobacco going strong. All right. So, yeah, one one of the biggest challenges that I've faced um, and it comes up, it's cyclical, comes up often is honestly uh, staying relevant. And what I mean by that is, yeah, like there's there's so much happening in the world on a regular basis. Um, how are are you sort of tapping into that keeping up on on that news and sharing that with your youth partners um there's also when we're talking about tobacco products and sort of um marketing tactics um, so many things on TikTok that are coming out on a regular basis but you know one thing that i've learned and this has been something i've had to practice more and more is that like no one person can do it all so really just trusting paying that trust into like my youth partners or with your youth partners and checking in with them, having those, once again, coming down to those discussions and, um, just, uh, pinning more into the hands of the the youth partners that you're, you're working with as well, delegating tasks, and maybe even creating an activity to where we all can do a little bit of that, that research. Um, that way it's, it's not just me as facilitator trying to, take a grasp of the the whole world because that's, it's not possible. It's not going to happen. And, you know, youth are at the front and center. They are experiencing it in their lives at their schools. So why not involve them as well in that, in that uh, conversation.
0: On the note of staying relevant, um, Ignacio, in what ways do you feel like maybe some organizations or maybe some leaders um, are failing to, to stay relevant? I don't want to say failing, but maybe are struggling to stay relevant or missing the mark to stay relevant. You talked about social media a bit. What are some of the ways that organizations can really stay relevant when it comes to young people?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I think, uh, honestly, I, I see it happening a little bit, but I would like to see it happening more. It's just a cross-agency sort of a collaboration. So uh, the more I see when agencies are utilizing the expertise of other agencies and, and on a regular basis, like connecting and partnering with uh, projects uh, rather than because, you know, I know that in this grant work, sometimes there's uh, sort of um, the stepping on toes with whose uh, responsibility is this, but the, the less we worry about that and we just kind of see, um, okay, we're, we both have this. How can we align in that objective? just building more partnerships, working across other agencies, I think that's a big solution.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you got to realize too, that when you mentioned earlier that not one person can do it all, by not partnering with others, by not establishing those bridges, you could be missing out on something that someone else has that you had no idea either existed or that worked. And so there's that knowledge, that experience that you are depriving your organization or maybe even your young people of because there's a missed opportunity, right? You haven't actually um, set up a, a bridge for young people to connect with each other. And I think that goes back to what Milton said too about you know expanding your your youth engagement to not just include young people who are passionate about the work or who have a direct tie or experience to tobacco, but also folks who just, they just think it's an important cause and they wanna get involved. They have some extra time on their hands and this is how they wanna spend it. Like just really diversifying that volunteer base, right?
2: The You, you said diversifying, honestly that's, I feel like that's a key word period, <laughs> just diversifying, um, the people that are are, that are involved
0: you know, as we as we think about social change as we think about what the world will look like what california will look like hopefully in the next 10 20 years you know the goal here is to go tobacco free um, young people are obviously going to play a very very significant role in achieving that goal why do you think the young voice the young people are so powerful what gives young people so much power, and how do you see them being such a force in tobacco control work?
2: This is a hard question, and this is a, a deep one. But I think if I were to give a very simple answer, I think what makes young people so powerful <clears throat> is, like I said when I I said earlier, um, something that I see in a lot of youth is hope. Um, so why that is so meaningful is because. And I can say people, you know, uh, I can say in my generation or whatever, but it's just generation generation. As we get older, as we get more instilled in our systems, in our ways of being, in the, the things that we have decided is doable and not doable, we have young people that see what we have accomplished. Um, And they are evaluating it from an outside perspective and they're seeing what has worked, what hasn't, and providing the right questions to challenge us as well and um, really give us some insight on how we can do better. That's just period for a simple answer. That is why I think young people are so powerful and it's, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. It's cyclical. And I think that that hope aspect involved in that just... um, it adds so much to how we can um, make changes in the future and and be okay with being challenged by the, the future generation and those that are looking to um, change um, things for the better. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think when Ignacio said that youth bring a lot of hope, I think um, that's really true. And I think once again, youth really bring an outside perspective. And I think, um, with some older individuals, there's sort of a status quo that's set. And when youth sort of bring that outside perspective, it's it's a whole new way of looking at things. And uh, it's a really creative and persistent way to look at things. And I think youth really bring a lot of creativity and a lot of persistence to um, every single issue, but especially tobacco control. And I think it's um, just so unique just to have that outside perspective, because I think youth sort of bring some fresh air to it, and I think that's what really keeps the tobacco control movement going forward.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. One thing I, I've heard in the past from a from an advocate, a community advocate, um, is when you when you don't know something, be curious. When you know something, stay curious. And I remember her telling me that, and I was thinking, "What? I don't, I don't, I don't understand." Um, and it took, she never explained it to me, but it took me a while to finally get it. And I understood it more when I was in school because I think the more that I learned something and it made sense, the more questions I actually had versus when you don't know something, you're kind of just like searching for a quick answer and you're just like, okay, you you ask questions so that it makes sense. But when it does, you kind of take a deeper dive and you're like, well, what about this? And what about if this happened? Like you have all these different scenarios that kind of play play into all of it. So I really like what she said. And I feel like what you're describing about young people just having hope, there's potential, there's so much possibility, there's still some molding that can be done.
1: Yeah, I think for me, really, just to, to any youth that may be listening to this, really, just don't be afraid to take that first step. I think there's a lot of great opportunities that can come about um, from joining the tobacco control advocacy movement and any advocacy movement, as a matter of fact. But I think um, it's really important just to um, take that first step and, and to be open to, to joining the movement and to to be open to creating those connections with other youth and, and with coordinators and with different organizations. So whether you have like a local tobacco control coalition within your community, or if you want to start your own, I think it's something that's just so impactful. And I think really taking that first step is is so powerful and and can open so many doors for you.
0: Ignacio, Milton, thank you both so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. To learn more about Ash California, visit us at ntobaccoca.ash.org.